So starting to have conversations with your kids about how you handle your emotions, you know, you don't tell them everything. It's got to be age appropriate, but asking for forgiveness, say, hey, I'm having a really hard day today. I just feel overwhelmed with the amount of things that I have to do on my to-do list. So I'm sorry, I'm not giving us enough time for but whatever your situation. I'm not giving us, I'm, I'm short with you. I'm not giving you enough time for this. I just need a break. Like being honest with them goes a long way. And what it does is it also teaches them how to work, walk in humility, how to extend forgiveness and then ask for forgiveness. Welcome to Ariana Answers. I'm Dr. Ariana Brandolini, a clinical psychologist who lives in New York City. Every week I answer a life question submitted by a listener like you. In the second season of my podcast, I want to unpack anxiety around situations in life we find ourselves in. Each episode will have two parts. One where I break down the situational anxiety we experience and the other where I have an expert in the field give us some advice. Would you like your question answered? Head over to the description of this video to submit. Now, let's jump into this week's episode. Kimberly Amici is known for her creativity, strong faith, and commitment to living life with purpose and passion. She's an entrepreneur, designer, and podcast producer. She's the founder of Build Your Best Family, which helps people live a life of purpose with the ones they love and become the family they were meant to be through podcasts, courses, and personal coaching. Kimberly writes at www.kimberlyamici.com. She lives with her husband, Carl, and their three teenagers in the New York City suburbs. I love how Kimberly teaches families easy and healthy ways to relate to each other in order to enjoy happier and more fulfilling relationships. How do we actually parent well when we deal with anxiety, when we deal with mental health issues, when we deal with our own Mm -hmm. stuff? Um, How do we not let that kind of get in the way? Um, and people are like, well, I ruined my children because I lose it because I, you know, don't always behave like the perfect parents. So, um, you know, this is sort of what you do. And so just curious about kind of how you got to where you are today um, and kind of, uh, yeah, your journey in terms of even your own anxieties about parenting and, um, you know. Well, as a family, um, if I want to talk in terms of how I got to where I am today and what I do, we were... Like many families, when my husband and I got married, we had lots of ideas about what we wanted our family to look like, and we were doing all the things. We had kids, and life got busier. Life got more stressful. Um, We were actually doing a lot of good things, but we were constantly overwhelmed. We were constantly um, just going with the flow and trying to just keep up, just trying to get through the week, just trying to get through the month. And you know how that goes. That goes just, it keeps going. And then years later, you turn around and you're like, how did I get here? Right? So as a family, we definitely carried a lot of stress. We definitely carried a lot of, um, you know, busyness. We wore busyness like a, like a badge, but we were doing all the things instead of specific things really well or specific things really intentional. And so my personal journey, um, including working with a life coach and figuring out what my values were, figuring out like, you know, what is it that I want to be known for? What is it that I want to do well instead of doing everything all the time, saying yes at, you know, every time I'm asked to do something, what can I do specifically? Um, because I wanted to get somewhere on purpose. I didn't want to look back at the end of my parenting journey and be like, what did I actually do besides just stay alive and just survive? And so, you know, that combined with um, just loving business and loving leadership and just studying about what experts said in the fields of business about how they created successful organizations and ministries and companies and learning about this idea of culture and 
deciding where you're going to go and then working towards that direction instead of just going with the flow. And so for me, I got really excited about applying those principles that an organization applies to, to their people to a family um, and they work and having applied them and having coached with people and worked with people. I know that it changes the course of your family to know what your values are, to know where you're going. Um, I definitely feel like in the early years, I dealt with you know, stress and anxiety. I mean, like in the really beginning, it was super fun. Like I was just doing all the things. I was having the babies and doing the play dates. And then there got to a point where I found myself yelling because I was just trying to get everything right. Like it was just like, why won't you little people do what I want you to do? <laughs> why won't you be the family I want you to be? I think I'm doing everything right. What is wrong with you? Um, and so in terms of my own personal journey with um, like mental health and wholeness and anxiety, I went through a yelling phase and then I went the, through the pressure to perform phase. And most of the things that I was doing as a parent were coming from that instead of a place of intention and instead of a place for my values and beliefs. So for me, the big shift took place when I was able to, to, to change and, and do parenthood a different way. You know, a lot of what I talked about in kind of the sister episode, right, was, was the different triggers that we have, the different anxieties that are elicited from parenting, right? And so mm -hmm. um, I talk about, you know, how we repeat what we kind of don't repair. Mm -hmm. right? So um, in terms of your own personal journey, mm -hmm. do you feel like that was part of what you personally had to do, right? How did you kind of shift from maybe reacting out of those places mm -hmm. to living intentionally, which, you know, I love and we're going to talk more about, but yeah. um, what did, you know, for people who might be feeling a bit stuck in the yelling phase, right? Yeah. Like, I don't know how to get out of this. Yeah. Um, how did you kind of do that? How did you shift from, from that place? Yeah. So I just remember, um, you know, there was one afternoon in particular that I can really remember where I was just getting angry at my kids. And I just felt like I was in this pattern of yelling all the time. And I didn't want to be that mom, right? I didn't want to be the mom where my kids, like their memories were based on not making mom mad, walking around on eggshells, not knowing how to get it right, not knowing whether or not they were accepted for who they were. And <clears throat> one afternoon, I just felt as though, um, you know, and my faith plays a big part of how I got through this journey. I just felt as though one day God showed me, you're yelling and it has nothing to do with them and it has everything to do with you. And I realized that for me, yelling at them, I was, it was an, an act of selfishness because it was, it was, I was placing um, I was placing my value in how my kids behaved. I was placing my worth in how things turned out. I was, you know, using, uh, so what I was really getting upset about, like for, for example, if we were running late somewhere and I couldn't get the kids out the door fast enough, I was, I would yell at them and I, why can't we get this right? I was mad, not because they were taking too long to tie their shoes. I was mad because of what I thought that said about me, about like the loss of control and not being able to get this right and not being able to tick off those boxes that I thought as a good mom, I'm supposed to be able to tick off. And so for me, it was just a shift in, 
readjusting my expectations of what motherhood was supposed to look like and also realizing that my outbursts um, are more about me than it is about the person that I'm dealing with. And that goes for my husband, that goes for my children, that goes for my friends. As you mentioned, oftentimes when we're when we're reacting out of something, and the people that I work with talk about this all the time, where they're like, why do I overreact about this little thing? And so mm -hmm. a lot of getting healthy and building that self-awareness to then be able to heal those places to then act out of our values, right? I talk about this a lot. Mm -hmm. My goal as a psychologist is to help people behave out of their values, not react out of anxiety and fear, right? Yeah. And so um, oftentimes when we're reacting, it's not about the thing, right? It's about so many different things before that. And when we can actually take the time to say, where does this stuff come from? Mm -hmm. We can actually heal that root, right? Mm -hmm. you mentioned mm -hmm. me when I think so many people will relate to this, right? It's about yeah. what does it say about me as a person, as a mom, as, and my abilities to be able to do this. Yeah. Um, well, I had a really, I had a really good moment too. Like I mentioned earlier about how I kind of had gotten into this place of wanting to perform as well. And that's something that I've struggled with is performance orientation and really breaking free of tying my worth and value in the way I perform. And um, I went through a phase where I was just so hard on myself in my mothering. And what I had realized another, another experience where I just prayed about it. And I felt as though I could, I, I saw what was the root of it. I had, I had my mother like she didn't have a full-time job. So she was not up at the crack of dawn, you know, preparing the house for everybody and doing all the things. And kind of got to the point by the time I was in high school, I just, she'd be still be sleeping because I could take care of myself and make breakfast and go to school. And anyway, so I was in college and I was visiting a college boyfriend at his home. And I was so impressed with his mom waking up before we even got up and she had already had the breakfast made and she already had the laundry done and it was neatly folded. And it was, she was just delightful and made us a cup of tea. And I came into a place of judgment for my mom about why wasn't she like that? Why didn't she do those things? And what happened was because I had begun to operate in that judgment, I was then really beating myself up for years over me not being able to get out of bed and me not being able to have like the perfect quiet time and spiritual reflection before my kids got up. And, and what, I, what I really broke free from in that season was unrealistic expectations, expectations, like you said, that weren't based out of my values, but that were based out of just reacting or what my circumstances were. And I had to break free from that. I had to redefine my expectations. I had to say, what are my values? So the values helped me shift to what's the kind of environment I want to create in my home and then making decisions out of that instead of some arbitrary rule that said that I needed to get up at five in the morning and be the perfect housewife. And so recognizing along the way where I'm coming up against, you know, unrealistic expectations and saying, wait a minute, does this line up with what I believe? Or is this just something I'm doing because everybody else is doing or somebody else says I should do it? Do you find this information helpful? Is there a certain topic you'd like us to cover? Leave us a comment and review about what you'd like to hear. How do we change thought patterns? I want, you know, I, I'm like, okay, this is how we actually go through it and create mm -hmm. practical change. Um, and so I think what you're talking about, and I love that because I talk about this a lot, is kind of living intentionally, right? Mm -hmm. And actually um, taking the time to create roadmaps and to, to take time to take stock. Um, in terms of what maybe that looked like for you or how you help other people do this, right? I think mm -hmm. so many people are living out of that reactive space. 
Mm -hmm. um, how do you help people or into your own experience, how do you help people shift maybe from that reactive place to that intentional place, right? Mm -hmm. Because um, I can, again, not being a parent myself, and so, but I can imagine, and knowing that I work, you know, with work working with people, it can feel very chaotic. And so not being pulled with from the chaos, right? Not being pulled and kind of reacting out of that to be like, I'm actually gonna take a beat to mm -hmm. slow down and really think about this and mm -hmm. how do I practically walk this out? So, um, you know, what does that maybe look like? So if someone is resonating with this and is like, oh, I feel like I want to do that, you know, how do you, how do you kind of, what sort of the first, first steps? How do you do that? Yeah. So if I could take the example I just shared, I had to figure out, and this is what I do when I work with clients is what is, what is the value, right? So if I wanted a clean and tidy home for my kids and be able to provide for the meals. That's, that's fantastic. But what does that look like for you in this season, in this moment? Like, so I put a lot of pressure on myself to have everything done first thing in the morning, but was that, re that wasn't realistic for me. So what, how can we achieve that goal in a different way? And so part of that is brainstorming. Part of that is making decisions ahead of time. You can make decisions ahead of time about what you want your family life to look like, but you can make decisions you know, ahead of time about how you're going to react. Um, a lot of the success I've had in parenting has come from, you know, like really practical things like making a list ahead of time of how I'm going to respond, making a list. So there was one summer when we were just having a blast and I felt like every other night the kids were asking for sleepovers. And I was like, oh, I just need a way to decide when we say yes and when we say no. And I had to make a list and I had to say things like, okay, you can't turn an all-day play date into a sleepover. Like we knew that was never going to work because by the time you guys actually like come in and get ready for bed, now you're annoyed with each other. You've been together too long. Like nothing good ever needs to last 15 hours. Like let's just cut our losses and go home with a good day. Like um, there were rules like you couldn't have them back to back. You know, and so because what I was finding is that I was making decisions out of how I was feeling that day. I was making decisions out of how I was feeling about that child that day, whether I felt like they were cooperative or, you know, were they rude to me or not even rude to me, were they easy to get along with? <laughs> and I didn't want to make my decisions for my family based on how I was feeling from day to day. And so like that simple idea of what needs to be like, what chores need to be done before I can say yes you know, only two play dates a week. They can't be back to back. They can't be, you know, like just making some of those decisions. And I know it sounds like, um, you know, I think when people, the one thing that people get hung up is that they want it to be organic. Well, it can still be organic if you make decisions ahead of time and have a framework to work within. So a lot of the things um, I do when I work with people is really saying, like, if you could wave a magic wand, what would this look like? And then let's work backwards from there. What decisions do you have to be making? What choices do you have to be making um, in order to get there? And it just sort of says, oh, I'm having a bad day, but let's check that list. <laughs> you don't have to write every list, list down. Um, we wrote that list down because my kids needed to see it in black and white or else they would just think that we weren't being fair. Um, so just making a lot of decisions ahead of time so that you have that sort of, I can't think straight in this moment but I know that there's something I believe about this situation and I want to make sure I consistently live that out. Oh, I love that. <laughs> I love that. That's because it's so true. And I talk about this a lot with the people that I work with and 
you know, if we live reactively, as you said, we just operate out of those feelings and we never, we barely make good decisions when we do that. Right. Mm -hmm. So being able to make these decisions when we're at our best selves yeah, and to be able to tap into that when we're not our best self yeah, um, allows us to live that intentionality, live out those values because none of us, you know, and I talk a lot about kind of triggers and what that looks like in the brain, mm -hmm. right? When we get that fight or flight, we're not able to actually think clearly. Our yeah. frontal lobe is, is cut off from our, you know, the basal brain. And so you're just kind of in that survival mode mm -hmm. as opposed to being able to operate out of our best selves. And so yeah. we all need help. We need tools and ways to be able to get back to that best self. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and so that's, that's so fantastic and so helpful. And so, um, I, I think, you know, along with that or kind of, uh, dovetailing with that, um, a lot of people I work with are, you know, they kind of say, Oh my gosh, I screwed up again. I yelled and I didn't do the thing. And now my kid is like screwed up for life. Um, and I, you know, and so they spiral into kind of that shame and, um, and so you have three beautiful kids. They're, you know, super successful. And, mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, I know you mentioned, right, that you had seasons where you were yelling and maybe seasons where you didn't do your best. So what do you kind of tell parents or tell people when they're parenting and they kind of screw up? Are, are the kids irrevocably damaged? <laughs> No, they are not. <laughs> I mean, I still, I wonder that all the time. Um, I think that one of the most important things that I've seen have worked in my family and in other people's family is just the power of asking for forgiveness and being humble um, and understanding our own like weak spots or brokenness or blind spots and being able to say, hey, like I didn't get this right and I'm gonna try better. Because once you start having conversations like that, um, you know, my kids are older now. And so like, it looks, some of the things I talk about, it looks different in every season of life with your children. But as my kids get older, because I've had this kind of dialogue with them, they can now hold me accountable and say like, hey mom, like, I totally get it. Like, you're, you're starting to get upset. Do you need a break? <laughs> like, or, or like now I have a, I have an 18 year old and she's so intuitive. Like even the other day we were at the airport and we were struggling and the TSA line was getting longer. And, you know, we were trying to do this thing that we'd signed up for and I was getting frazzled and she was like, mom, relax. It's going to be okay. Like she, you know, and I did, and I was honest with her because I've been honest over the years. I'm like, I just feel like there's a pressure to get everything done quickly. So I'm not in anybody's way. She's like, I know but that's okay. Like we're going to get this done. So starting to have conversations with your kids about how you handle your emotions, you know, you don't tell them everything. It's got to be age appropriate, but asking for forgiveness, say, Hey, I'm having a really hard day today. I just feel overwhelmed with the amount of things that I have to do on my to-do list. So I'm sorry. I'm not giving us enough time for but whatever your situation. I'm not giving us, I'm, I'm short with you. I'm not giving you enough time for this. I just need a break. Like being honest with them goes a long way. And what it does is it also teaches them how to work, walk in humility, how to extend forgiveness and then ask for forgiveness. And so I think that is way more helpful to the success of your child than it is getting right, getting everything right and never yelling at them because they are going to need to know how to work with a difficult boss. They are going to need to know what to do with a teacher that is, is, you know, maybe has something against them and maybe is giving them a hard time in a class or, um, 
how to even help one somebody that they see that's in need that really can be successful if they can just come alongside them and help them. To help you navigate anxiety and become more mindful, I've created a 20-page workbook for you, completely free. You'll find journal prompts, exercises, and a wealth of information on how you can master anxiety and live a better life. Click the link in the description to download. Part of what you talk about is sort of family culture building, right? And so, um, and actually having kids involved in the process of feedback, of talking about um, family culture. Um, I think a lot of parents that I work with have, they're kind of afraid maybe out of that shame place, right? What if, um, you know, I feel like I have to have it all together. Like what if my kids give me negative feedback or um, I have to do everything and, and, so how do you, you know, in terms of how you work with people and families, how do um, parents, how do you suggest parents start to have that kind of conversation with kids or elicit feedback? Have mm-hmm. you found that to be something important and successful? Um, you know, can you speak a little bit more about that? Yeah. So something that we started doing years ago when my kids were really young, when we first started on this sort of culture journey, um, was we started doing a family retreat where we would get feedback from our kids. And it really came from this idea of a 360 peer review that a lot of people do in their workplaces. They get feedback from their boss, but they also get feedback from the people that they that work below them and beside them. And I just thought, and especially and how I build my um, my coaching and the course I offer, it's all about these principles that we see in in organizations. And so I was like, let's let's adopt this. I got excited. I'm like, if this works there, it's going to work in our family. And the reason why they do these sort of performance reviews is because we all have blind spots. We all have weaknesses. We all have things that we don't see in our life. And we can grow as a family, which I think is so important to experience growth together. Um, When we get this kind of feedback, when we're in a safe place that we can express how we feel about what's going on in the family. And so I just decided, well, we're just going to do this. And I think the the key for that experience, and you can do like a modified version of it, like we do it annually, and then we have kind of check ins throughout the year. But we made it fun. We made it at, you know, we, we, we handled it like, like any offsite retreat that a company would plan. You know, we, we went someplace fun, even if it was a hotel down the street on Groupon, like we were literally 20 minutes away from our house. Um, <clears throat> it had a pool, it had a mini golf down the street, it had a Starbucks so we could get Frappuccinos. Um, and we, we strategically asked them questions like, what's your favorite thing about your family? What's the least favorite thing about our family? Um, if you could sum up mom and dad, like mom in three words, what would it be? If you can sum up dad in three words, what would what would it be? We even let the siblings rate each other um, when it came to certain attributes about integrity, truth telling, how you represent the family. And it was a way less contentious than people think. Like that's the biggest objection is like, is this going to be a disaster? Are my kids going to say things to me or to each other that we're going to regret? And I have not had anyone come back and say that that's what's happened. Um, you know, my kids, especially if you start this sort of process with them young, my kids said things like, we hate that we're always late. And I'm like, we can fix that. Like we can literally change the atmosphere of our home by fixing this one thing that bothers you. And it bothered all of my kids. Like they all said the same thing and they did not do this together. And and when we started doing this, when, you know, my youngest was probably in second grade and then so second, fourth and sixth, right? So little kids can say, this is what I love about us. This is what I don't like about us. They didn't like the bickering and the yelling when it came time to go someplace. Again, because we're always late. 
Um, but they also had some really amazing things that I would have never expected them to say. It allowed them to have opportunity to bring language to even what the siblings were frustrated with one another, you know, like my one son, my son spoke up and he was able to tell his sister, like, you kind of lie a lot. And she's like, I can't, I know. Like, and, but if I had said that to her, it would have been a disaster. <laughs> but because she had, you know, a Frappuccino in her hand and it was her little brother telling her that she was open to hearing that. So, um, and, and as our kids are getting older, we still, we still ask each other these same questions, but the conversations are different because we've become comfortable with having them. So like my daughter can say to me in the airport, mom, chill. Like you just need to calm down. And she has the permission to say that because she's not trying to be rude. She's saying that because I've given her a space to say, I want to be patient. I want to be kind. I want to, um, I want us to have a great experience. I don't want something that's not that big of a deal to ruin our day, you know? So she knows that she has permission to say those types of things. Creating kind of that safe environment, right? That's, you know, it sounds like that's what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Creating, uh, modeling also how to do that and that it's okay to be able to do that with respect and kindness. Um, and that's going to serve your kids. I mean, I'm sure they already, already has served them so well, even in mm -hmm. dealing with things, as you mentioned, at school, in their workplace one day. So um, that's, you know, and I think that that's also where the love comes out, where it's like, I'm actually saying this because I love you. And yeah. um, this isn't to kind of be rude or to be mean, but um, I want to, you know, kind of creating that culture of wanting to grow together. And so that's so yeah. cool. Kimberly, and it's, yeah, and it's not all negative stuff too. I mean, I've had my kids tell me, mom, you're so hard on yourself, but you do such a good job. Like they would never tell me that outside of that situation. It's not like they're saying that like when they wake up in the morning or when they go out to see their friends. So like also giving them the space to hear what they see in you that you don't see in yourself is great too. So it's not all about like what we can do better. Yeah, that's awesome. And so as a mom of three, I think, you know, some people um, or a lot of moms I work with and parents I work with when they talk, when they try to kind of have, you know, we talk a lot about self-care and they look at me and they roll their eyes and they're like, with what time, you know? And yeah. so I think as a psychologist, it's, you know, I'm an <clears> expert in, in different things, but then actually hearing it from someone who's walked through it and coaches people through that, how do you tell parents to take care of themselves so that they can kind of bring their best and do this with their kids mm -hmm. when they maybe feel like they're at the end of their rope sometimes? Yeah. Well, I'm, I wholeheartedly believe that you have to take care of yourself to be a better woman, to be a better wife, to be a better mom. And when those things are in place, you aren't so quick to yell. You aren't so quick to um, make choices as a reaction instead of, you know, in, through intention. And so I think self-care is really important. And I think we have to, we have to value it to make time for it. We have to schedule it. We also, I think it's super important to model it. Like, your kids need to see that you're taking a break, that you're unplugging, that you're shutting down. Um, for me, the biggest thing that I've done to take care of myself is, and um, oh, I do want to say something like all the things that we've been talking about, there's a certain level of self-awareness that you have to make space for, right? And so whether it's the yelling, whether it's the performance, the expectations, you have to make space for yourself to realize what are those pressures that you're putting on you? What are those lies that you're believing about yourself? And so 
I had to have a certain level of self-awareness to realize I need to take a Sabbath. And I struggled with what that meant for a long time. I grew up in a Christian home. It was Sunday, you know, we <laughs> things we weren't allowed to do on Sunday and it became sort of this stressful thing. Um, but what I learned as an adult is that my Sabbath became doing what I want to do or get to do, not what I have to do. And I spent a while trying to figure out what day of the week is that for me? And I was able to observe the natural rhythm of my week, that how my personality worked, what the rhythm of our family was. And I started taking them on Fridays. And so I shifted my work schedule so that I got everything done. And I'm, I'm, for the most part, I do work from home. I make my own hours. And so I was able to say Friday's my day because I couldn't do it on a Saturday when I'm schlepping kids around to, to every place. I couldn't do it on a Sunday because that's the day I go into like, okay, we're going to plan for the week. We're going to have our family meeting. I'm going to make all the appointments. I'm going to do my to-do list. And so Friday worked for me. It was the day that I would say lunch, yes to lunch with a friend. It's the day that I would, you know, and I had to figure out what, what self-care was for me. So when I first started out, I thought, oh, Sabbath means laying on the couch, doing nothing, reading a book. And I did that and I hated it. And I love to read. It's not that I, but it was this idea. It was like the introvert's dream. It wasn't my dream of a day off. So I had to realize that it meant, you know, if I'm going to do a little bit of work, going to the coffee shop so I can run into like 10 people because no, it's a swinging door at Starbucks, you know, it meant um, doing errands because I love like just talking to people at Target and seeing people, or it meant making lunch plans. But it also meant when the kids came home from school and they wanted to watch TV, I said, yes, it meant you know, pre-cooking something so that we had something to pop on the oven Friday night or knowing that we were going to order pizza. It was just, you know, saying yes to myself and giving my permission just to do the things that I just wanted to do. And my kids, they saw that and that mattered to them. And it's teaching them that they can work hard, but that they can also rest hard and play hard, I think is just as important, especially when it's one of your values. Would you like me to read your letter? Click on the description of this video to submit your question. So we're close to the end of our time. There's so much more I want to ask you about, but anything, you know, if there are people listening who are dealing with a lot of anxiety around parenting, if there are mm -hmm. people listening who feel like they're not doing a very good job and don't, you know, and don't really know how to get out of that rut or are very self-critical, you know, anything that you, any last words that you want to impart that you feel like um, you just want, you know, people to know? Yeah. So there's a couple things I, I do. I strongly believe that. Um, so when I work with people, I help them identify, is this a logistics issue? Do you need more equipping? Do you need more strategy? Or is this a mindset issue? And so many times we get the two confused. And so if we can take, make the space to figure out, do I need more help? Do I need to change the way I'm doing things? Do I need to reprioritize things? Do I need to, you know, I learned how to do more productive things. I learned how to time block. I learned how to, you know, plan ahead, you know, all the things. But I also had to identify those mindset issues. And once you start to become aware of those things and you can separate those things, you can start to tackle them and you can start to say, okay, this is fixable. I can do this. And then changing those mindsets. I had to, I spent a lot of time and I still do on a daily basis have affirmations about my motherhood and what I believe about, you know, who I am in my kids' lives and who I am as a mom and who I am as a wife. And I need to continually remind myself of that. And so 
there, there is help. There's, there's an answer. You can build your family's culture in a positive way. You can do it on your own. Um, if your spouse isn't involved, you can do it in little steps, little tweaks, little changes over time or what really make a big impact in your family's life. And you may think that the work you're doing is unseen, but it really is seen. It's seen by your kids and it is felt by those around you. So Kimberly, where can people find you in, you know, if they want to work with you or just kind of check out, I know you write and you know, you do, you do many different things. So where can people find you? Okay. So you can find me at KimberlyAmici.com, but I'm also at buildyourbestfamily.com. And I spend a lot of time on in Instagram and that is at Kimberly Amici and also at build your best family. And then there's the weekly podcast called build your best family on iTunes. And I think everywhere else, Google, Spotify, <laughs> all the places. Kimberly, you're amazing. This was so helpful. Thank you for your wisdom. Thank you for your insights uh, and taking the time to talk to us today.